to Business Mentorship Keeping It Real, where we feature entrepreneurs and enterprise leaders who participate in our guest blog found on shareyourstories.online. Our guest is Juliana Lehman, who's an author, a speaker, and board-certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. And we're going to discuss how Juliana helps women of a certain age become friends with their bodies and live a healthier lifestyle. Juliana joins us from Kitchener, Ontario. Welcome. Thank you so much, Trish, for having me. It is a pleasure. You know, I absolutely love your story because you not only give us some information and some insight into your own journey, your health and wellness journey, but yeah. you really pique our interest about if you're a woman of a certain age, how we can kind of become a little bit more comfortable in our own skin, so to speak. And I know that you were a corporate leader before you came became a business owner. So give us a little bit of background as to how you became sort of board certified in nutrition. I know that you have a master's in that whole sort of chemistry science world. So give us an indication as to how all of that got you to entrepreneurship. Yeah, absolutely. So I think my journey has been very zigzaggy. I actually started my career in the veterinarian medicine field before moving to Canada from Brazil. And I think when my family immigrated here and it was more their choice than mine at that time, uh, and I had to sort of, you know, either decide, am I going back to vet school, which was the initial plan, but then life kind of like started to shift things for me. And I went to the University of Guelph to finish my bachelor's and fell in love with nutrition. That is, you know, plainly what happened. And, I really sort of changed my whole course schedule curriculum. And then I was studying the parallel of the animal nutrition world and the human nutrition world. And it's kind of how my career evolved that I continued to pursue my love for animals through nutrition. And then the human nutrition sort of came in later in my career. And really I found my passion, my calling. And then I left the corporate world to pursue my own practice. That's kind of like the summarized <laughs> version. It's of the Reader's me. Digest version, right? <laughs> You know what I love? I love your reference to the fact that you came with your family from Brazil to Canada and it wasn't necessarily your choice at that time in life, yeah. but how the door opened to something that became a, a passion for you in terms of, you know, becoming really connected with the whole idea of food and nutrition. Because, you know, I always say to clients that food is fuel. And I think we forget that what we put into our bodies is just as important as what we put into yeah. our bodies, right? Yeah. Yes. So now you you mentioned in your in your guest blog, you know, a woman of a certain age. So give us some indication as to what is that age group? Is that starting at in your forties, or is it in your fifties, or is it even later than that? Yeah. So my focus is primarily on women 50 or older. Okay. I do have some clients in their 40s, but the really core of my practice is really on the tail end of perimenopause into a woman's postmenopausal years. Yeah. Well, that's kind of interesting because why did you choose that age and demographic for your business? Because, I mean, nutrition is important for all of us at every age. I mean, at every age and stage in life, our requirements change and so must our eating habits, right? Absolutely. And I think it's more like a, like a resonance of who I resonate with. So I think that's the primary real reason, mm -hmm. but from a more sciencey perspective, there's so much emphasis for women into fertility and, you know, in a sense, 
fertility, but also prevention of pregnancy. So there's a lot of information, a lot of attention on that demographic. But then when, you know, we start to get into the perimenopausal years, like the focus really shifts. And I feel that there is a big void and lack of support and information for women at that time. And especially with what I deal with, women at that age are looking for an alternative that's more holistic to their needs. They're not just, you know, the typical diet advice, eat less, exercise more, doesn't you walk for so many women. And I really felt that that was a void that I was qualified to help with, but that was also in need of women that love helping women to do that, you know, specific sort of job for them. So that's kind of like how I got to focus on it but also looking at the clients that I've been attracting over the last few years, I think because of this resonance that I really love that face in women's life. So yeah. tell me a little bit about your perspective on dieting, because, you know, you've mentioned that, you know, with age comes different requirements and, you know, everyone just says, oh, you know, diet in and, you know, exercise more and you're going to feel wonderful. And that doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. resonate with that 50 plus age group. So yeah. give us a little bit of an indication as to how you feel about dieting during that time. Yeah. So even the term dieting, so I'll just touch on that for a second, because I talk about even in my book, like to diet or not to diet. Like, right. I, I love that. I love that <laughs> phrase to diet or not to diet. It's so amazing. I, I think the terminology is very personal to people. I think anytime that you change how you eat, it is a diet, right? What I, until you really maintain it long term, then sure, call it a lifestyle. But I think there's a lot of marketing claims on that. So I usually remove myself from, yeah, <laughs> from that. Very true. However, what I do not support is the labeling piece of dieting, the specifics. Right. So I'm this, I'm that, because I think a lot of times we get really, when we get really attached to a label of any kind, but in this case, a dieting label, sometimes I see women, like their bodies is telling them this is not working for you, right. um, but they're so attached to it that they almost like try to, you know, not look at other red flags. So I'd rather, you know, allow you to eat based it on your genetics and based it on how your body is giving you feedback rather than be attached to any specific diet style if that's yeah sense. because a diet is almost like a, a four-letter word right i mean when we take a look at it in the whole perspective i mean i love the fact that you're taking a sort of a holistic approach to this yeah. i mean it's not just one component because they all sort of work together in order to create a healthy lifestyle and yeah. i also appreciate your reference to the fact that Whenever we change the way that we eat, we're actually changing our diet. Mm -hmm. And that's a positive thing rather yeah. than making it a negative thing. So in terms of being a board certified functional <laughs> diagnostic nutrition practitioner, give <laughs> us an indication as to what does, what does that mean? Because, you know, yeah. again, about labels, right? There's so many yeah. labels out there and it's so confusing. And that's a mouthful as well. It is. I, I, had, I was looking at my notes. I must admit, I was kind of glancing down at my notes to make sure that I got that right. I can tell you're a very skilled interviewer based on your eloquence. <laughs> <laughs> how, does, how does one become, a, you know, get in, not only because obviously you're involved in nutrition, but yeah. how do you receive the certifications that give you yeah. the confidence to be able to provide and share that information with your clients? Yeah. So the, the basis of the function diagnostic nutrition is that we still looking at the person as a whole. We don't look at things from a disease standpoint, but we look from a body standpoint. So if you come to me with, let's just say, 
I don't know, like a, a lot of the things I see is like poor sleep quality, energy mm. issues, very much related to metabolic um, dysregulations such as excess weight. So that's my sort of core specialty. So we don't look at, for example, lack of energy as in what vitamins should I give you? Like, like we don't look at the problem. We try to look, go all the way downstream to what is really the root cause physiologically, but also emotionally that is presenting itself as say lack of energy, for example, right? So the diagnostic piece of it is that we run functional DNA testing, we can run like hormone testing, um, but not to look at the results and give you a diagnosis of what you have because that's on, on the medical side. But from the nutritional side is looking at the information plus the symptoms that the person comes to us with and really try to understand almost like a little detective, like what are the potential systems in the body that need support? And that's how we focus. So that's what the, the combination of nutrition training I have with the how to read some of those functional lab results, that's very much what I bring to the table. Yeah. So is a food diary important? Because I know that one of the things that, you know, we often do if we're feeling that we're not sleeping well, or, you know, we're, we're just got this, you know, this little niggling feeling that the diet is not working. You know, one of the things that we start to do is we start to write down the food diary. Like, what are we consuming in the day? Because sometimes we don't really realize, you know, that we may be going long stretches of time without any food or we're not drinking enough water. And those are things that that I think, um, you know, you, you everyone will be, be aware of if they start to see it in writing. So if you're going to do a food diary and write down all of your intake, how long, what's the time frame? Is it like one or two days, five days? Is it two weeks? What do you feel is a, a good uh, rule of thumb for keeping a food diary? Yeah. So I have a very uh, unique take on this <laughs> topic specifically. So in my work in, a, in general, I do not promote the tracking of the food diary unless the individual feels it's beneficial because a big part of what I do uh, has a lot to do with the emotional side of things and any activities that we put on top of it that a person resents doing sort of derails their progress in a bigger sense. Right. So the first answer to that question is some people that I work with really like tracking and they have different ways and they track a little bit more long-term, whereas the ones that do not like tracking, what I do because of part of my services is I ask them to track for three days and we use a specific software so that I can look at the breakdown of all their micro and macronutrients so I can see, okay, from how you're eating, what are the nutrients you're lacking so that we can put extra foods in their diet just to give them a complete understanding of how to eat. But for that specifically, we do three days just to get a good, like usually like two weekdays and a weekend just to get a good sense right. of their pattern. But that is not for accountability, which I feel is more what you're referring right. That is more just trying to lie to my Figure it out. Yeah, figure it out. Now, yeah. you make a really good reference, and that is to uh, online tools. Because, I mean, I'm sure that you are meeting with a lot of your clients online. Uh, yes. Because not only is it more productive and time efficient, but it also gives you a chance to expand your geographical location yes. Yes. Uh, in terms of meeting with people. So, in, in now, software, when you mention software, because... I'm sure there's various different tools that people yeah. see that are available. <laughs> and if if you were if you could give our viewing and listening audience a tip with one useful tool that would help them from uh, you know taking a look at the things that they could use on their phone or on their computer, what would be a general piece of software that's very helpful in helping people sort of align their what their intake is with their nutritional goals? 
Yeah, so the one that we use, which has a free version, is called Chronometer. So it's a little bit more complex in terms of the the interface. Right. <laughs> but from on the back end, like it gives you a very decent breakdown. It's not just like your protein, fat, and carbs. Like it gives right. a lot of the nutrients as well, like the micronutrients. Right. There's professional versions, but also the free version is very accessible. And there's some good YouTube tutorials if you want to use a tool. Uh, so that would probably be my recommendation to use the one we use because I've had it many over the years. Yeah, for sure. It's a little tricky to learn, but once you learn, then of course, like it's just, and it doesn't, like it has some different settings. So you can decide, for example, that you wanted to give you, because how it gives you what you're eating and what you're lacking is based on a theory, right? right. So if you're doing keto versus doing whatever else, like of course, yes, the you're going to get different results. Yeah. So he has a few presets that you can, like I have my own that I work with my clients that we do, sure. like, but sure. there's a, a two or three presets that you can do more for like a general health as well, at least you get somebody started. Yeah. So now as an entrepreneur, because I knew, I know that you were a corporate leader, so you've done a 360 and now you're an entrepreneur. If you could share with our viewing and listening audience who are maybe thinking, you know, they might have a side hustle and they're thinking, well, do I, you know, do I ditch the nine to five day OB and go into this full time? If you could provide some, uh, from your perspective, what was one of the obstacles that you felt that you had to overcome when you made the leap from corporate leader to business owner? I think for me, the biggest one, and it's the one that I probably spend the most money on that have not yielded the result <laughs> necessarily uh, was really having the right strategic mind to bounce ideas from. Because in corporate, I had the luxury of working with other departments. And, you know, like I'm a very collaborative person. That's just part of my natural creative process, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it took me a long time to, you know, find the right strategic people to help me grow the vision, not so much the business, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I worked through mentors and things, but, and that was absolutely fine. But I, I wanted somebody that was more in the business with me, like more in the trenches, you know, uh, to understand it from like a deeper perspective. So I think I'm not saying, I'm not necessarily saying you have a, to have a partnership <laughs> or anything like no, that. No, no, no. But really having access to somebody that's not a family member necessarily, unless they're, you know, very savvy in business as well, that it can actually really get a broader perspective than we get so close to it, right? I right. think that's what that's I- so um, true. Yeah, so true. I love your reference to creativity and brainstorming together because, you know, somebody might think like, good heavens, she's talking about food. What could possibly be creative about that business? But I think being an entrepreneur, you have to think outside the box, right? Oh, yes. And you need somebody to bounce the ideas off of. And I also love your reference that, you know, when you're in corporate, you have the benefit of a team. Or you yep. can be at the water cooler or at the you know coffee station and you can strike up a conversation with a colleague and bounce an idea off of them. But when you're an entrepreneur or a solopreneur, especially, there you are in your office all by yourself and you're thinking, hmm, is this a good idea or not? And I'd love to talk to somebody about it, but who the heck do I call at, you know, in the middle of the afternoon or early in the morning or whatever time of day it might be? It can be yeah. a bit challenging, right? Exactly. And then uh, uh, like we all know that we will wear multiple hats, right? Like I do have a personality that I, I'm good at tech. I love marketing and love business in general. So I'm a little bit more well-versed than a lot of practitioners necessarily are. 
but in corporate, I worked with the sales team, the marketing team, the regulatory team, because I was in uh, R&D. So I was like literally touching every, almost every department in, in the company. So I had access to very skilled professionals in the fields, right? So it was right. very easy to pull on resources and, and those things. But when you become the main hub of information for all the areas, right? Yeah. Um, it's very quickly that you start to see what are the bottlenecks and what are the areas yeah. that you're not, you know, as inclined to succeed at. So, right. Yeah. right. Now, I remember when I made the jump from corporate into entrepreneurship, I did this little diagnostic tool and I started writing down all of the skills that I felt that I had learned in corporate that would lend itself to my own business. Oh. And if you could highlight a skill that you feel that you learned in corporate that you do use in your entrepreneurial life, is there one skill that you use more than others? I would say like my, it's a hard question to ask because I had such a, I was so lucky in corporate that my job was so multifaceted. I think it gave me like such a diverse amount of experience experiences and you know so from a more like i'll say logical sense probably my public speaking skills because it did a lot of that incorporated high stakes situations that i just had to get good at it so that for sure but i think i saw how a good business was run if that makes right. sense so yeah, absolutely that may be the skill that i value most or really seeing the struggles and seeing that behind the scenes and seeing the strategy and the you know the the think tank right you know like for sure that is probably what i value most but from the outside looking in maybe my public speaking skills is probably something that came from that world as well well that's that really is a wonderful segue into my next question because i was going to ask you to talk about your book because i know that you're a speaker and obviously the topic that you speak on is with uh, women's groups on your book. So give us a little few highlights about the title of the book and why you decided to write it. Yes, so the title is called Release, A Women's Guide to Releasing Weight in Midlife Through Becoming a Body's Best Friend. And I wanted to write this book or a book for about 10 years before this book was birthed. <laughs> uh, and I think it's because I knew I was gonna write a book. I've always, I. I used to love writing more scientific things like my thesis is like so big and all of that. But I think that's a different style of writing, of course, right? Um, so when I moved away from writing scientific, you know, papers and things like that, there's a bit of a gap in writing and I went into other forms of expression. But then when I wanted to go back to writing, I wanted to write the right book. So it was almost like waiting for the right book to be the right time. And when it was, it just happened, right? So Good for you. I don't like how it came about. Uh, but I wrote this book and the, like my little tagline is, I want this to be the book women read before their next diet. And it's not a diet book. It's not a nutrition book. It is a book about the emotional journey I want women to go through and contemplate of loving themselves before trying to change themselves. And I think that no matter what strategy they do on the other end, whether the ones I promote or otherwise, that that will give them a higher chance of success because they're going to go into it for like a growth mindset rather than looking at everything that's wrong with their bodies but looking at the mirror of the scale. That's a really wonderful uh, opportunity before they work with you because by reading that book it will not only increase their confidence in themselves but it also increases your credibility as a practitioner because 
then they know there'll be a meeting of the minds and they're one step closer to success when they're going to work with someone who thinks like them or who they feel can fill in some of the gaps and their own learning um, of how to have a healthy lifestyle. So that's a really wonderful tool. And I'm sure that most of your clients who read it find that it's extremely beneficial in their own personal journey. I do hope so. Like I, you know, mapped it in a way that I feel makes the most sense, almost like in terms of peeling the onion layers. But it is also like if you read a book, that's fine. But like if you read the book and you actually do what the book proposes, it's quite a, a journey within self, right? Okay. So I think there's like quite a bit of you have to be ready, I guess, you know, uh, to look within in the context of what we're talking about, especially because the way life industry is very external, right? Yes. So I say, you know, yeah. the work I do is like an internal game. Like we look within and sometimes for the first time in right. the depth of what we explore. So it is a challenging book as well, I would say. <laughs> well, you know what? I think that's a really wonderful introduction to you and the services that they offer. If anyone's thinking of working with you, if they get the book and read the book, it's going to give them some pretty good insight into what they can expect out of the, exactly. the, the relationship and the collaboration that you have with your clients. Yes. So congratulations to you for, you. for taking the leap of faith to write that. <laughs> now, one of the things that we do in the guest blog is we ask folks to share three words of advice. And I know that you have three phrases, so I'm going to highlight the words in the phrases and then you can fill in the blanks. So the words are you, outlast, and plan. So give us some indication, fill in the blanks. What, what are the phrases that go along with those words? So you are not the mind is the first one. Mm -hmm. The second one is outlast the temporary. And the third one is plan so you can flow. Oh, I love that. I, you know, it just seems like a very uh, common sense approach to something that can be very overwhelming for a lot of people, right? And yeah. I think that, that your approach is very common sense. And I think that's very helpful um, for people. So <laughs> thank you very much for taking the time to not only give us in some insight into the person behind the logo and get to know you a little bit better, but yeah. give us some really practical tips on the type of things that you do with your clients so that it can be a very productive and symbiotic relationship. So thank you so much for spending some time with us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Trish. It's been a pleasure. Mm -hmm. And to you, our viewing and listening audience, I'd like to thank you for joining us today for this edition of Keeping It Real, where we introduce you to the person behind the logo. If you'd like to connect with our guest, you'll find Juliana's contact information in the description portion below. I'm Trish Tonai, founder and host for the series. And if you're interested in sharing your business story, visit our website at shareyourstories.online and subscribe to our business channel, Business Mentorship Keeping It Real. Thanks again for tuning in, and we look forward to meeting you next time when we share another great idea. Bear my of you